from St. Louis Public Radio. This is St. Louis on the Air. I'm Elaine Cha. What does it take to buy a home? Well, that depends. For most, it involves considerations of time, location, and money. What's the market like? Where are places available? What's within financial means? Yet another factor some would-be homeowners have dealt with, past and present, is race. Um, And historically, realtors have played a significant role in making home ownership for Black Americans difficult, costly, and even out of reach. Last fall, St. Louis Realtors, an 8,000-member professional organization that's one of the five oldest realtor associations in the country, took steps to recognize that role. Katie Berry served as president of St. Louis Realtors in 2022 and oversaw the drafting of its apology and the accompanying Reimagining St. Louis plan. She told our producer, Emily Woodbury, that the push to issue an apology was member-driven. There is a growing understanding of our history of that St. Louis Realtors and the Realtors have played in um, housing discrimination. You have books that have come out about it, some of them specifically targeting St. Louis or talking about the history of St. Louis specifically. And so as member awareness grew about the history, the desire for us to do something and say something also grew. Here to discuss that apology, described by past St. Louis Realtors President Katie Berry, as well as the initiatives presented with it, is Nate Johnson, President of the Board of Directors for the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council, or EHOC. Welcome. Thank you. Also here to shed light is Chaplain Will Jordan, the Executive Director of EHOC, the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council. Thank you. Nate and Will, we're so glad to have you here. Now, Nate, you chaired the presidential advisory group that developed the Reimagining St. Louis plan that was issued with the apology. What's your reaction to Katie's emphasizing that the apology was driven by St. Louis realtor members? Do you feel that's significant? That is very significant because, you know, we have a, a long history in St. Louis and quite frankly nationwide of realtors um, having discriminatory practices towards people of color. And I think that it's really powerful that our association was one of the first associations to get out and say, hey, you know what? We know that we did some things wrong, a lot of things wrong, and we're working to correct this. And part of the way that we have to correct this is by acknowledging that we did things that were wrong. Mm -hmm. And Will, that apology, how did it land with folks working on the ground? around issues of fair housing? It was uh, huge for us, mostly because in the professional industry, you don't see a lot of the entities that we interact with making apologies. Banks, uh, appraisal companies, uh, management companies, a lot of places really impact the way St. Louis looks segregatedly now. But for the Realtors Association to come out and make the apology, it was a big deal for us. 
Did you see people passing it around? I mean, to what extent did you see reaction happening? A quite a bit of people engaging in the commentary online and different places. A lot of engagement. Um, you know, everything from, well, that's a good start, but it's not enough, all the way to, wow, I'm, I'm amazed that they actually did it. Mm-hmm. So quite a range then. Yes. Now, Nate, with respect to community wants and needs, Will was just kind of talking about what community response was. How did you approach crafting the 22 items that are in the Reimagining St. Louis plan? Yeah, so we took a very thoughtful approach to that. We had a, um, a consultant who worked with us to help facilitate. We had several different uh, realtor uh, members, uh, in addition to myself, on the in the group working to identify a lot of the things that we need to do to help you know, correct the wrongs of the past and help to, you know, to sort of chart a path forward on how we can grow and create a better future. Uh, We reached out to a lot of local organizations and interviewed people and got feedback, read reports, did all of these things so we really could understand what is within the power of the St. Louis Association of Realtors in terms of creating better outcomes in our communities. Can you tell us about the some of the, the organizations that you did work with? So EHOC is, is obviously one of them. What are some of the other community organizations that were part of uh, determining what those items were? Yeah, so, you know, in addition to EHOC, we worked with, um, we worked with a lot of different organizations that were, you know, really just nonprofit organizations and such that are really focused on um, the black and brown community here in St. Louis. And, and those organizations were, were instrumental in helping us put together uh, some of our recommendations that we sent to the board of directors. Mm-hmm. And one of the benefits of that is more people who have many experiences. And there are clearly many factors that have led to where we are today in terms of housing discrimination and many experiences that demonstrate how they've played out. So I'd I'd like you to take us back. Will, can you share how the issue of race-based housing discrimination touched your family's life when you were a child? Sure. We moved from Normandy to Florissant, Missouri back in 1977 or so. And um, my father saw a house in Florissant that he really wanted to see. His real estate agent, who was actually African-American, would not show him the house. He said that wasn't one of the ones that he could show on his inventory. He actually had to contact the listing agent from the sign itself in order to get an opportunity to see the house in Florissant. And uh, we ended up buying that house. Later on, we found out, when I I found out when I first got my job at EHOC, that there was actually a case. uh, It was called uh, EHOC versus Gundecker. And that case was coming at the same time there was the largest number of uh, white flight coming from North County going to St. Charles County and St. Peter's. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was like St. Charles and St. Peter's were the fastest growing counties in America for like four or five years straight. And it had a lot to do with all the people who were working for McDonnell Douglas, which is now Boeing, moving from Florissant going out there and all of the African-Americans that were moving in 
Um, and it had a, the case had a lot to do with the fact that the real estate agents would show a house to an African-American. Once the African-American would buy the house, just like on the street that I was living on, Delaware and Florissant, then they would send out flyers to say, hey, they're moving in, you need to go. And they would make money hand over feet by getting rid of the house or in getting a referral to their buddy out in St. Charles or St. Peter or actually showing them the house and selling it to them out in St. Charles and St. Peter. That happened for over six years straight. And we tested and found that to be the case when we brought the case against um, Gundecker along with the city of Flores. Mm-hmm. And when did that federal lawsuit get filed? Oh, I think that case was filed in, um, wow, was it um, 91 or something like that? I think it was like 90, 1991 is when it actually was filed. Okay, so that's quite a few years after your family experienced what it did. Exactly, exactly. Nate, do Will's experiences, or what he's describing, mirror any of, of what you experienced yourself, uh, your family? You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because I've been a realtor here in St. Louis now for 24 years almost. And when I first started my career helping people buy and sell homes, I had no idea about the segregation and the discrimination that has occurred and that sort of led us to where we've been. And once I started to learn and read and study and get educated on that, I really understood why some of the things are the way that they are here in terms of how our communities are segregated because it's not by accident. And I think that the reality is that uh, many people think that it's just that's just the way that it is. But that's not just the way that it is. It's the way that it is because that's how it was designed. And that's a huge um, uh, uh, aha moment for many people to have because only once they understand the policies that were created to sort of lead to the segregated neighborhoods that we have do they understand what role they themselves can have in sort of uh, changing some of the trajectory that we're currently on. In speaking with clients and working with clients, you know, I they're often sharing with me stories of working with uh, realtors in the past and, and not having those, uh, you know, and, and being steered to certain neighborhoods versus the other. Um, you know, I was, you know, fortunate and uh, had the great honor of being president of the St. Louis Association of Realtors in 2011, the first African-American president of our association in its history. And our St. Louis Association is one of the oldest realtor associations in the country. And when I started to go around the community talking with folks and it was introduced as the president, they said, what, you're the president? You're, you're the president? Because they just had no, I mean, it was just, it, there was so much of a disconnect between the African-American community and the realtor organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and in fact, here in St. Louis, you know, we do have a local chapter of NARAB, which is the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, which is the oldest African-American trade association in the country. And it was founded in 1947 at a time when African-Americans could not be realtors. And so that organization flourishes. And, you know, although the Fair Housing Act was passed in 1968 and that opened up a lot of housing opportunities for, for many Americans, that still didn't open the doors to the Realtor Association here in St. Louis. It wasn't until well into the 70s that the St. Louis Association of Realtors um, welcomed their first members. Mm-hmm. And by welcome, you know, welcome is yeah, probably right. not the word that, probably it's, not the best word. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, so, so having those conversations with people and, you know, people just sharing with me, I wanted to buy a home here. But the realtor said that I couldn't. I and they had me buy a home over here because they wouldn't allow me to l- live in this neighborhood. All of that has happened. 
uh, you know, I never grew up in a home that my family owned. And I didn't think about that until, you know, until I started to learn some of these things. And I wonder, huh, is the reason that my family never achieved home ownership when I was young, is that because of some of this history and some of these policies of segregation that have sort of led to where we're at. Yeah. And I appreciate that framing and, and you're giving us that timeline, both of you, because right now so much of the conversation about not being able to own a home is not about all of the same things. The obstacles are a little bit different, but the extent to which affordability was a different sort of conversation. Absolutely. Right? When when you all were growing up and you know, even in, in my case, I have not lived in a in a home that we have owned. Um, so there's a lot there, I think, for, for people to connect with. We're gonna take a very quick break here. This is St. Louis on the air on St. Louis Public Radio. Now back to our conversation with Will Jordan, the executive director of the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council, or EHOC, and Nate Johnson, president of the board of directors for the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council. We're discussing black home ownership, past and present, and how commitments in the realty industry can boost the number of black St. Louisans owning homes. Now, before the break, um, Nate, you were talking with us about what the landscape of realty looked like. Um, what was it that got you interested in entering an industry that looked like that you know, back in the early 90s? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I at the time I had no idea that there were any there were there was anything that were um, that was in place that were causing. Uh, inequitable outcomes in our community. I just had no clue about it. Uh, I just know that as a kid, I was always interested in houses and, you know, talking with my, my parents, I remember, you know, I would, I, you know, maybe we should buy some of these houses and we can, you know, rent them out, that sort of thing and invest in real estate. And, and I never met a realtor until I was an adult. And I think that that is true of a lot of yeah, people within yeah. our community yeah. is that you don't see people in those spaces. So you don't know that those types of careers are even yeah. accessible That's to right. you. That's mm -hmm. right. So for me, once I met a realtor as an adult, it was like, wow, I didn't even know that was a job. That's what I want to do. <laughs> and for you, Will, tell me what your sort of perception of realtors has been over time. Yeah, that's good. You know, of course, it was a very huge uh, uh, impression upon me when we first moved uh, from Normandy to Florissant because my dad shared that experience along the way, right? He, he talked to us about it the whole time because we loved the house. We, we also got a chance to go see it, but the fact that the, his realtor wouldn't show it to him, that was, that was a big deal. And so um, I didn't really think much about it, but uh, later on, actually sometime after I got the job at EHOC, 
one of the things that I realized is that the African-American realtors were really the backbone of both our education about what was going on out in the industry, and they played a huge role in advocacy as far as giving us the kind of information that we needed to drill down on or do systemic reporting on because they found a lot of frustration, even in their professional capacity, because of what they could and could not do based upon a lot of these barriers. So my my idea of a realtor was that they were on the front line and they were taking it you know, on the, ch- on the chin, especially the African-American ones. Mm-hmm. And hearing Will, Nate, describe that, you know, what perspective has been uh, or has being a black realtor in St. Louis afforded you when it comes to, you know, understanding the home buying and home selling experience? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having the opportunity just to hear stories as such as, as Will shared and and really getting such a phenomenal lesson from the elders in this industry, you know, I'll mention uh, Elijah Brown, who was yeah. who passed away a, uh, just a couple of years ago. He was a he was a real pioneer in our community in terms of um, showing African Americans the way towards home ownership. He was, um, you know, you know, the proprietor of one of the oldest African American real estate organizations and uh, companies, you know, in St. Louis and sitting down with him, having the opportunity on a monthly basis for him to share stories with me about what things were like. His company has been around since the 1950s and you can imagine how challenging and what the challenges that he went through. So he was able to share that with me. So that really gave me the history that I needed to understand how we got to where we're at today and what unique opportunities and uh, unique challenges that are faced by uh, African Americans and other folks who have had um, the opportunities of home ownership uh, outside of their reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. How have you seen things change or not change in the past couple of decades? I'm gonna, Will. I'd like you to answer that. Sure. Question. I, I have a good answer for that too. When I first started, um, we found ourselves a couple times going to Jeff City to kind of advocate for more expansive. Um, legislation around fair housing and civil rights. And when you when you first started, when was that? Uh, I first started in 2002. Okay. June of 2002 was when I first started, mm-hmm. yeah. And um, we found uh, on the other end of the table quite a bit was uh, a lobby from the Realtors Association. Uh, his name was Linklider. He was like the most powerful guy in Jeff City. He would clobber us. And I'm telling you, we, if, if he was on the other side of the issue, it was over. Mm-hmm. And we would just, like, walk away. Don't even try to fight him. Years later, I'm talking, like, going into, like, uh, you know, like, about 10 years later, uh, that's when you start seeing diversity in the St. Louis Realtors Association. Nate was our president by then. And a lot of the influence that he and Gail Brown, who was Elijah Brown's daughter, who was also a real estate agent, uh, was able to influence over the years, really changed the way that the St. Louis realtors and in turn the Missouri realtors kind of approach things. Next thing you know, they're on our side of the table. We're fighting different legislatures in small cities like Florissant who are putting crime-free ordinances that really limit the uh, opportunities for African-American women to rent homes in those, those cities. And the Realtors Association is with us fighting. Now, this happened years before this announcement that was made. But so we saw things change when we saw the influence of those African-American realtors really be uh, uh, given credence to by the St. Louis Realtors Association. And they really changed their policy initiatives years ago. And now you're seeing an outgrowth of those years of input. So this is very eye-opening because 
in my mind, there was a more adversarial sort of relationship between people who were advocating for fair housing and realtors. You know, like there are billboards and you see, yeah. you know, there, there was one that our producer Emily Woodbury has seen about, um, you know, the new question is, uh, it's not where did you go to high school? It's who's your realtor. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it is really interesting to hear that there was some degree of credibility that was built up. And that's actually one of the questions that I had had, uh, you know, in the time well that you've worked as a fair housing advocate, um, you know, I imagine you've gotten a sense of how long it takes for members of the general public, maybe not the leadership of, of organizations, right. but just on the ground people, to come around to believing that initiatives like Reimagining St. Louis Plan, that they're going to deliver on their promises. Right. right? Yeah, um, absolutely. What movement have you seen that indicates the apology and that plan are starting to work? So, like I said before, because the Realtors Association have already been doing a lot behind the scenes, this plan is an is an illumination of a lot of stuff they've already done. And I think that when people see behind the scenes what has happened already, like I'm telling you about, like we're fighting actively to open up opportunities for African American uh, head uh, single head household women in all cities like Maplewood and Florissant, and the Realtors are actually helping to do that. So it's like it takes time. Um, but I have seen a lot of changes, and it has taken years. It has years. So they've been fighting alongside of us now for, I'd say, about nine or ten years, and now this this apology is a natural outgrowth of it, but I have seen their work before they actually put it down in writing. Mm-hmm. Nate, where have you seen successes so far from your vantage point? Well, ten years ago, we, we there wouldn't have been a conversation about, uh, you know, a serious conversation about issuing an apology. Right. That just was not going to happen. Trust me, I had those conversations <laughs> ten years ago, exactly. and um, and it was just not something that was going to, to 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 happen. So, but at the same time, although the association wasn't prepared and willing to publicly acknowledge some of these um, some of these uh, you know some of the, some of the disparate treatment that has occurred. We were working behind the scenes to help. You know, we were working to educate our members better. We were help working to, you know, stop things like steering and blockbusting and some of those types of um, sort of policies that a lot of r- realtor organizations and companies had just as, you know, uh, you know practices. Yeah. And, you know, as we educate more of ourselves, our members, we get better and we create more awareness and as we create more awareness people are coming and saying hey you know maybe we should do this maybe we should do that so in so the the reality is that where we are today is a result of you know years and years as will said years, of yes. education and you know becoming more aware and to be clear we have not arrived right you know we've got a lot of work to do as an association as a community and it's not just the realtor association because these is. policies these practices you know you know are they 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 benefit and they affect adversely everyone yes we all have a part in it we all have a role that we're playing in this and you know, the question that we have to ask ourselves is what is it that we are doing individually and within our own companies, within our own organizations that are being part of the solution or perpetuating the problem that exists? And it's one or the other. That's all. Mm -hmm. No in between. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Will, what is the benefit you've seen that extends beyond 
single households, we think of homeowner and it's one person. Yeah. What is the benefit of black home ownership in terms of community? Oh, it's all about uh, uh, wealth building. It's about the same uh, young people that you see in the streets today that you think are problematic. If they had the opportunities that were based upon um, wealth that had been built in their families for generations, then you would see them uh, bit with businesses rather than with uh, criminal records, honestly. And that has a lot to do with it because economic economics play a huge role in opportunities for people. And so that's one of the things, you know, you look at zip codes and you look at credit scores. Well, that would be different if they had home ownership. I'm telling you, families with home ownership, the outcomes are completely different for them. And so that's one of the things I know that would be changing for those families and their opportunities is their opportunities to build wealth and to take the pressure off, so to speak. Also, one of the things I'll say is that the Realtors Association are a great example, and I hope to see other associations, other professional trades. Uh, you know, we, we work with the banks quite a bit. No, never any apologies given, but, you know, some banks are much better than others when it comes to dealing with stuff. The appraisal industry, no apologies given. I don't even know if they even take responsibility for the, some of the stuff that has happened in St. Louis, but I can tell you there's a big red arrow pointing at them. Big red arrow. Huge. Ginormous. And that's certainly something that, you know, we're working on at the National Association. You know, not only am I involved at our local level, I, I served as president of the Missouri Association of Realtors in 2018 and do a lot of work with our National Association of Realtors as well. And that's one of the big things that we're working on there because it's the same thing. Yes. You know, we talk, you know, the National Association of Realtors issued an apology a couple of years ago in 2018, actually. And, you know, the same thing. It's it was there was a lot of, of people who had the thought that no 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 we're not going to do that we're not you know this is not something that we're interested in but now you see the steps that the National Association has made that has really worked to create better outcomes nationwide yes. and St. Louis is certainly no no exception to that and it's great to hear that the work that's happening here is mirrored in other places in the country. Yes. Will Jordan is the executive director of the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing and Opportunity Council, EHOC, and Nate Johnson, president of the board of directors for the Metropolitan St. Louis Equal Housing Opportunity Council. Thank you both so much for your time and insights. Thank you for having us. Thank you. episode was produced by Emily Woodbury. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Dorr. Our production intern is Avery Rogers. Alex Hoyer is our executive producer. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here podcast proudly supports St. Louis artists by using music from Life Creative Group. Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. 
It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.